Welcome to the Level Up Infection Prevention Podcast with Michelle and India. We are your team with one mission. Creating champions in infection prevention. My name is India Chance, a dental hygienist, a compliance consultant for Learn to Prevent, and an overall infection control nerd. And my name is Michelle Strange, dental hygienist, co-founder of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast, lover of dentistry and all things infection prevention. Welcome to season one. We're glad you're here. Well, welcome everyone back to episode two of this little podcast. This is Michelle. And this is India. And we are going to tackle PPE or personal protective equipment in this episode. So this is probably a real big topic, especially right now, but we're talking PPE in the first, like before COVID shutdown. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there can be some big changes after. We don't know what those are. Right. So if you're listening to this episode, you know, in 2025, you know, don't worry, we'll come back with some more recommendations. But this is currently and what we have, because it's it's super important for us to make sure that we even started with the right thing in our foundations so that we can make changes when they are implemented or requested of us. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's important that we get back to the basics and then we can add on, you know, anything else that, you know, comes down the pike for personal protective equipment for sure. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I wanted to highlight about PPE is that I feel like we put a lot of weight on our PPE. We ask it to like be Fort Knox of (laughs) potentially infectious material and it's literally the last thing that is going to be our barrier. We have a lot of other controls And we'll talk about all those things, but there's a lot of other things that we should be doing to like eliminate or reduce the possibility of contaminating our bodies. And PPE is kind of the last thing. So I mean, for me, I'm trying to explain to people like, y'all don't be asking that thing to like protect you from bombs. Like it's, it's not meant for that. It was like the last layer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a whole approach or holistic approach, whatever, however you want to say it. PPE is just one aspect of infection prevention. So you have to have workplace practices, but also engineering controls. Like you have to have the whole entire gamut of protocols in order to prevent infection, Mm -hmm. not just the PPE. And you're right. We do put a lot of emphasis on PPE. Apparently, PPE carries all the burden, which just simply isn't true. It's not meant to be. No, it's not. not It's just one aspect of infection prevention. One thing that you do to break break the chain of infection. There's a host of other Mm -hmm. things that have nothing to do with PPE, really, if you look at it. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Michelle. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, I want to also like tell anybody that's listening, I'll speak for myself, but I've done a lot of this wrong. Like I have screwed it up. You know, I've definitely worn my mask more than one patient. (laughs) I've worn it on my wrist. I've put it in my pocket. I have made, when I first started, I was 17 and I, started in ortho practice and we didn't even wear mask or eyewear or, you know, I wore gloves, but I I can think back on some of the things that I was doing and I'm like, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. But, you know, it's like once you know better, you got to do better. And there's reasons. And the one thing I was talking to somebody about the other day was, you know, these aren't because all right. So do you get this pushback a lot of 
oh, this is just because the mask companies want to make money yeah, or this totally. is just because, you know, somebody <laughs> is getting paid for yes. this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, they are getting paid for it, but one of y'all messed up. And that's why we have these. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that, it's like, why do you have laws? Why do you have speed limits? You know what I mean? It's just the same exactly, concept. Yeah. Somebody got somebody a little crazy. Somebody the right poked thing. themselves in the eye. <laughs> right. Someone, Someone left hurt. with some. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Someone mm-hmm. left with some grossness on their body, infected someone else. Like, exactly. So this is meant to protect you and yeah. your patient, your team, and also your family. Yeah. Because you don't just leave your germ or anyone else's germs in the office. Those go into your nose, you go home and you sneeze. Yeah. What happens? Exactly. Your, your family gets it. Exactly. Obviously, we know how the chain of infection is broken and we need to do that in many different ways. So let's get into PPE Got unless it. you have something else you no, want to add no, to that. Yeah, let's dive in. Okay. So let's say like PPE is considered your like lab gown, mm-hmm. your mask, yes, your eyewear. Mm-hmm. What else are we talking? Your gloves. You have to have your gloves. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, you should be wearing closed-toed shoes that are not soft or anything like that. You need to make sure that you're not wearing shorts. I've seen that before. <laughs> In the warmer states, I've seen that. In the warmer months. And so, yeah, it basically consists of all of those things. So you've got your eye, your uh, protective eyewear, you've got your protective gown or your jacket or disposable or, you know, reusable, whatever, your mask, and then your gloves as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to break this down. And one of the things that I read that I thought was interesting is I think we're all very clear that our employer should be paying for this for us to wear. Like that's a, an OSHA requirement. Would you say requirement? Yeah, it's part of the OSHA standard. And so your employer is responsible to provide gloves, a mask, protective eyewear. And I'll I'll tell you the caveat to the protective eyewear. Mm-hmm. And then the outermost layer of a covering. So that would mean mm-hmm. your, a disposable gown, a disposable jacket, or a reusable if they're going to use a reusable jacket, scrub jacket, meaning they can wash it in the washing machine, then they're responsible for laundering it. And they can launder it through a third party or if you have a washer and dryer on site, then you can do that. They should not be taken home to be washed in personal washing machines and washing dryers machines. at home. Right. Now, yeah. the caveat with the protective eyewear is that if you want to provide yourself with loops, your employer is not responsible to pay for loops. They're just responsible to pay for like the basic protective eyewear. Nothing fancy, guys. Nothing fancy. Don't be no. getting all fancy. But they are required to make sure that you wear the loops properly and that they fit properly. That's where I was going with yeah. this too. So they are responsible just to kind of monitor that situation and make sure you're actually right. wearing them while you're treating patients. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that I would read, you know, when I was going through all of my stuff and testing out for the stuff is that you as the employer can't just allow your team to not wear it because I'm like, oh, I'm hot. I'm not going to wear my lab. No. Right. So they're required to provide those, but they're also required to make sure that you wear it. So when like, you know, India's like, oh, I'm hot. I'm not wearing this. And you're all bare arms seeing patients. <laughs> exactly. That's not 
No. Okay. No, that's not. That's actually against the OSHA standard. And by the way, OSHA standards are law. So they're not recommendations like the CDC. So they are federal law. So they apply to every single state. And some states actually have state OSHA plans, which include extra requirements and stuff like that. So yeah, nope. As an employer, you have to ensure that your clinical team members are wearing proper PPE at all times during patient activities. So you are absolutely right. correct on that one. And that's where an ICC would be super helpful. There you go. As we talked yes. on episode one. Exactly. And so the other thing, you make a good point that there are, uh, so OSHA is a federal thing, but I'm in South Carolina and we have a state OSHA, which takes all my federal and adds things to it, but they can never subtract from it, right? Right. They can only mm-hmm. add no, to they, the federal. Yeah, they just so. add. Like I'm in Maryland mm-hmm. and um, I've chatted with my OSHA, state OSHA this in the past, and they actually follow all of the federal standards and stuff. Right. They What they're in charge of doing is sometimes they'll go out and they do the inspections and things like that. And so for other mm-hmm. industries okay. outside of dentistry, but in dentistry, you know, it just depends on which state because there's some states like in Virginia they you have to have listed extra duties and stuff. So it just depends. So you should definitely check as far as personal protective equipment. Check with your state OSHA plan to make sure there's not anything else that needs to be added to the your gear <laughs> that you have to wear when you're treating patients cuz some states are different. For sure. Mm-hmm. So let's let's break down our PPE. Let's start with our protective clothing or our gown. Would that be a good start? Yeah, yeah, let's start there. So you mentioned earlier that they can be disposable or reusable. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. It could be a disposable gown. It could be a disposable jacket uh, or the reusable scrub jacket. And the protective clothing, which would be, you know, kind of what we just talked about, that's actually is supposed to provide a barrier to any of your exposed skin. So for instance, most people wear short sleeve scrub tops. And so the outer layer, which is your scrub jacket or your disposable gown is going to cover the bare skin that you have so Mm -hmm. that no injuries can happen. And it should be a couple of things with the type of material. It should be fluid resistant and uh, there's no tears or compromises in the actual material. Because if it is, then you need to replace it. Also, if it's visibly soiled, that's what the language is. If it's visibly soiled, you have to replace it. So that is kind of the breakdown for the protective clothing. Sometimes I've seen where people like to wear a short sleeve scrub top and then underneath that, they wear like a long sleeve shirt, cotton shirt, mm, and then they feel yeah. like that's their protective clothing. And unfortunately, that's not the case. You, you're not supposed to wear your scrubs that way. You can if you want, but you're still supposed to put a jacket or a gown on top. The reason being is because a lot of times the material that those long sleeve shirts are made out of, it's not fluid resistant. So that's mm. kind of the caveat. And then if it gets visibly soiled, technically you're supposed to remove it. And most people don't, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the confusion that I ran into was I see, I read some things sometimes that say knee length, but you do see a lot of them just like slightly below the waist. Is there an actual requirement for that? 
So as far as OSHA goes, it really depends on the industry that you're in. In dentistry, they don't have an actual length. At least I haven't seen it listed. If they do, please somebody send that to me because I would love to get that information. I've read through the bloodborne pathogen standards. I've read through all the other standards for OSHA and I have not seen the actual length being addressed, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. And if I am, please send me the information. Uh, but I need it in writing because I don't take anything unless it's in writing from an actual legal entity, which would be OSHA for me. Now, CDC might recommend knee length. And again, CDC is not a legal entity. So if that's a recommendation, please send that to me as well, because I'd like to see that too. But again, because every state does not consider the CDC recommendations into like their Dental Practice Act and all of that stuff, I tend to kind of stick with what OSHA says about PPE. But I also take the CDC recommendations seriously as well. And I have a little excerpt from the OSHA and CDC guidelines, OSAP Interacting Training, Interact training system. Mm -hmm. This is a manual that you and I both follow Mm -hmm. pretty Mm -hmm. closely. And it says long sleeved, high collared laboratory coats that completely cover the torso may be the best barrier for exposed skin. Mm -hmm. Lab coats may also decrease the need for the complete changes of the street clothes at the end of the workday. Also considering the amount of time the dental health care provider spends sitting with knees on either side of the patient's head, it's likely that an area receiving a significant amount of foreign matter and splatter may be the thigh and knee area. Mm-hmm. For this reason, including re, uh, reusable, washable, full-length pants as part of your protective attire might be appropriate if the lab coat doesn't cover the upper legs. So it just says it might be appropriate. Yeah, so, and again, it says your full-length pants, okay? So no shorts, all right? And then, mm-hmm. so this particular uh, paragraph, we have to make sure that we're paying attention to all the language because... Excellent recommendations because it makes sense. You know, a lot of people sit when they treat patients. And so you are receiving splatter and different types of things that uh, actually uh, get onto your pants. And so, yeah, a lab coat knee length makes sense. For someone like me, I actually stand when I treat patients. I don't sit at all. And so where the patient is in the chair, it's almost up to like, the top of my stomach area. And so there's not a whole lot of splatter happening. So I wear a little bit of a shorter jacket. I don't mm-hmm. wear a long lab coat. But yeah, I mean, it does absolutely make sense to wear yeah. you know, a longer lab coat, especially if you are going to be sitting because a lot of times, like you said, people go home and they... Um, they bring the all kids of that got stuff. Their legs <laughs> yeah. and they, yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. hanging out. Yeah, and I, exactly. I don't always change out of my scrubs. I personally wear now a disposable gown, and mine have been knee length because I'm in an office that also does a lot of oral surgery nighttime clinics, and so they just have those available. And we don't have laundering on site, so they do provide us with disposable ones. And I am a huge, huge fan of Airflow, which is like the aerosol. And I've always been like a ProfiJet, a air powder user, whatever that looks like in your practice. Right. So I have been throwing it up into the air for years. So I like a nice little knee length for me personally. But that has not always been the case, but it is now. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. 
And of course, making sure everything gets disposed of. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're not rewearing and, and rewearing wear and rewearing. Your, yes. And I do have some docs <laughs> where I'm like, uh, it looks you, you like can't you can write your name yes. on it and just use it the next day, sir. <laughs> it looks like it can kind of walk away from, you know, the room by itself. Some of these jackets, as long as yeah. they've worn them, especially the disposable ones. I've noticed that they're worn so much in some offices where they're end up they being get like see-through. ratty and <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. It's time to throw that one away. <laughs> time to move on from that guy. Exactly. It's disposable. I, I always joke with the doctors. I'm like, look me in the eye and say it with me. Yeah. Disposable. <laughs> right. One time. Right. Let's right. say it together. Right. Exactly. Also, you can't be wearing this all over the office either. Like don't go to lunch, exactly. eating your little sneaky snacks in the back of the room yes. and wearing your gross stuff <laughs> and, uh, and and going up to the front office, yes. hanging out up there. I like know. you can't do that. No. It's meant for clinical areas. Yeah. yeah. Please and thank you. So the language in OSHA says it shouldn't leave the clinical work area. So that basically means that if you are, I, I'll give you an example. I was teaching a course in in-office, doing an in-office team training and the in the reception area and it's in a business building and it was all glass so you could see out into the hallway and it was a lot of dental offices in this particular building and so i'm in there doing a team training and i happen to look and i'm not kidding i'm on the ppe slide and i look and then everybody <laughs> else looks and it's the dentist from across the hall walking his patient to the elevator he had on his he had on a, a, a disposable knee length lab coat. He had on his gloves and he had his mask underneath his chin and he God had bless. his protective eyewear on and he walks the patient to the elevator and pushes the elevator button with his gloves on. <laughs> and I was like, so someone grant me and the strength. In oh the team, my God. <laughs> they were laughing because they were like, you know, they thought, you know, they're like, oh, you're probably having a heart attack right now. We see him do this every day. And I'm like, no, you know, as the camera pans up, but. And then you got to go press that elevator button <laughs> right. to go out. Oh, I'd be taking some stairs real fast. Right, right, right. So just be <laughs> mindful. Don't touch elevator buttons. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, people do that all the time. They go into the lunchroom. They're like in full gear. They'll come out with the mask underneath their chin to the reception area. And so you need to remove all of that leave it in the workspace and then walk your walk up to the reception area or go to the lunchroom but it shouldn't come out of the clinical space for cross-contamination because mm-hmm. I'm sure that your admin team doesn't want all of that up at the front desk reception area they chose either. to be admin for a reason <laughs> not in that clinical workspace exactly. so don't bring that up there exactly um so let's move into face mask and yes. y'all again this is just current standards we do not know what will come once we're all back and seeing patients clinically again right but face masks are kind of a big thing we're gonna kind of go through the different things and not really get into depth but you can you can really dive deep into this so just know that this is you know foundational stuff Mm -hmm. but typically speaking these are medical devices approved by the FDA and their instructions for use are law. So if it says one, like one mask every 60 minutes or unless it's, it's like you got to change it, you can't be going all day with the same mask. 
that is a law. <laughs> right, exactly. And you can't use the same mask on different patients. I've seen that before. Correct. I've seen some practices where they hang the mask, you know, they'll use it for an mm-hmm. exam or use it for something that doesn't create a lot of aerosol, or they're only in seeing the patient for maybe 10 minutes, and they just take the mask and hang it up. And then the next patient comes in and they take the same mask and they put it on. I mean, clearly, there's cross contamination there, you just don't know. Not only that, like you just said, they're regulated by the FDA, all the masks say single use only, it's the number two, with inside of a circle with, with a line through it. And so that means yep. that it's single use only. If you look at your masks, you need to take a look at the manufacturer instructions for use. It gives you the time frame on how long you're supposed to wear it. Now, I know some people participate in procedures that might be an hour and a half, two hours. And, you know, technically that's okay. But the, the goal for that rule and that law and those instructions is so that you're not wearing it all day and you're not wearing it for multiple patients. So yeah, you're supposed to follow the instructions for use for that. And again, this has to do, we are talking about what's on the books right now. And so for the most part, this we're saying, we're talking about surgical masks. We're not talking about when there's a mask shortage. We're not talking about during a pandemic or anything like that, because we don't know yet what they're going to put on the books. We're just strictly speaking on what's actually on the books right now. Yes. And that's the thing too to remember that there are very different levels in like during, are we in a crisis? Are we, is this a contingency plan? Or are we doing the conventional traditional method? And when we go back and someone's like, well, when during a crisis, we used one mask for, that is not going to go over and be in our conventional. So things will go back to normal. We might have some new recommendations or we might not. We're not really sure. But it's going to go back to at least what it is right now where you should be changing your mask. If you're not in a crisis and we're not in a pandemic, it's going to go back. So you got to follow those rules again. Absolutely. And nothing is on the books that even changed during the pandemic. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, added some interim, yeah, right? yeah. they added some interim guidelines, but they're just that. They're guidelines. Like there's no laws that state that you yeah. are allowed to reuse masks. <laughs> so yeah. um, so we'll see. Please New things are coming, you. I'm pretty sure, because of all of this. So I'm excited to see what's going to be happening. And we'll certainly bring that information to everybody uh, once it Absolutely. gets on the books. Now, one thing that I wanted to clarify, because I keep reading like, oh, our surgical masks were fine. Well, our surgical masks have levels. There's a level one, two, and three. So you can't just be like, oh, surgical mask, and it's just one kind of mask. Also, not all masks, which I thought this was really fascinating, is they're not regulated. Do you want to look for a mask that has something called ASTM? Is that right? Yeah. ATSM? ASTM. Yeah, it's the... um, ASTM. Right, American Society for Testing and Materials. And what they do is they test the surgical face masks I'm talking about now. They test those. There's different levels. There's one, two, and three level. It has to do with the fluid resistance, has to do with the amount of bacteria and the filtering and stuff like that. And so the higher level, the mask, the more protection you have, really. But... Yeah, you you need to make sure it has to do with the mask levels are based on what type of procedure you're going to perform. And so as far as splatter, again, we're just talking about splatter. We're not talking about aerosols and all that because we can go down the rabbit hole with that and 
the, so the, true. <laughs> the higher level of masks that everybody's been talking about during this whole pandemic. But for now, with the surgical masks, yeah, depending on the procedure, if you're performing anything that has a lot of splatter, you should be wearing the higher level, which would be a level three mask. Mm-hmm. And so if you're... And that's, let's be honest, if you're in dentistry, that's yeah, pretty... I, I mean, mean, outside of x-rays and a, and an exam, a maybe. clinical exam. Yeah, yeah. But then... And your clinical exams, don't your patients sometimes say, can I get a rinse? You know, like, yeah, can you rinse me out? They don't like the taste of the gloves. They don't like they're bleeding or something. And so you rinse and that creates batter and spray. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so sometimes those exams aren't just exams. Exactly. And I think you you made a you brought up a good point that not all face masks have the information on it that needs to be there on the packaging. And so I've been in offices where they've gotten face masks from certain places and there's no level on there. You can look at it and know that it's like a level one or probably less than a level one, but based on the cost, that's why they were purchased. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's no protection. There's no regulation on them. You don't know who made them. You don't know what material it is. You have no idea. And so I know that cost is definitely a factor when running a dental practice. However, personal protective equipment is cost of doing business. And also it can encourage a complaint that would warrant an inspection. So I just want to put that out there Mm. that you really need to make sure if you're going to be budgeting, make sure that your budget is correct for PPE, because that's something that if that is violated in any way that can warrant a complaint to get an inspection done in your office from OSHA and from the dental board. So PPE is super important. Yeah, it really is. Hey there, infection preventionists. We are excited to create a digital platform that will elevate the role of the infection control coordinator. Our mission is to create infection prevention champions by elevating that infection control coordinator role. We recognize that providing resources to this role allows individuals to become leaders and contributing members to the dental practice, making safer dental visits. So head over to levelupip.com to sign up for our email list so you can be the first to know when we launch our new program. Don't miss out on the opportunity to level up your infection prevention practices. And I would also like just, it matters the level you should wear depending on your procedure, but you got to wear it and you got to wear it properly. Mm Yeah, for sure. And that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage everyone to come up high on that nasal bone and make sure you're not squeezing the the soft tissue of your nose. Because what happens when you do that is you start mouth breathing. Then you, well, one, you're supposed to be using your nose to help filter out things. But also you fog up your eyewear, which then everyone gets, and then you start pulling your mask down because you can't see and so just when you put it on and you don't it properly, just, you know, pinch it in the right places that, so that you're not fussing with it later on. Yeah. And make and sure that the you. ear loops are on correctly. They're not crisscrossed. And then what I tend to recommend, because there is gapping with surgical masks. I mean, that's just when anybody wears them. But what you can do is, like you said, pinch it around the nose and then also pinch under the chin. And that tends to kind of cup it around your face a little bit better. Obviously, it's not like an N95 mask with the super amazing seal mm-hmm. that you get from those level of masks. But with a surgical mask, 
you have to do the best that you can. And so pinch under the chin, pinch around the nose to make sure that it's fitted properly and don't crisscross the, the ear loops. Make sure they're, they're worn properly. And the one thing that I didn't realize when I was like new to dentistry is that mask, they can be fit to your face. So like they make smaller size masks. So if you have a smaller face or head, then you and you having to crisscross those loops to get that gap to go away, they make masks that are smaller and meant for your face. And like you said, there are um, that little metal clip. They, some of the manufacturers create it in that chin part too, not just in the nose part. So you can like squeeze it so it fits your face better. So if you, for an office, you're like, we're not buying four different types of masks. Like, okay, well, you just get that one mask that where everyone can kind of tailor it to their face because, exactly. I mean, yeah. like shoes. We're not <laughs> right. all wearing the same shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just right. following the so instructions. Any- that's the biggest thing. So true. All right. So before we get hung up on this and go past our normal amount of time for our right. little nuggets of I episodes, know, know. let's talk about eyewear. Mm-hmm. You made a good point that it's it's not meant like you're not meant mandated mandated to buy loops no, for everyone. No, no, the Just employers are not to your mandated to buy loops. Yeah. So don't listen to this podcast and then run to your employer and say, Michelle yeah. Olivia said you have to buy me loops. No, we do not say that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get really beat up for that one. No. So your employer is only expected to provide just your basic kind of protective goggles, glasses, you know, something you can purchase from a dental supply or a hardware store, really, to be honest. And so those are to protect any type of splash or prevent any injury to the eyes. It's mandated by OSHA that they have side shields, so has to have side shields on them. And then you want to make sure that you choose eyewear that has high impact plastic as the ingredient. And so that means if you're not wearing loops and you're just wearing traditional protective eyewear, make sure that it's high impact plastic. So if anything flies up and hits, it's not going to break the glasses or do anything to damage your eyes. And that's really kind of the the deal with that for the protective eyewear. Yeah. And, you know, in my little Bible here from OSHA and CDC guidelines, it also makes sure that we are cleaning with soap and water. If it's visibly soiled, we want to clean and disinfect any reusable facial protective equipment between patients. And if you use a disinfectant, you want to thoroughly rinse it prior to putting it back on your face and follow any eyewear manufacturer's instructions for cleaning and contaminating. So some of them might say don't use your disinfectant on there because it'll etch it and mess with the plastic and they might just say soap and water, but we just need to follow instructions for use. Yeah, it's just about disinfecting them. So follow the instructions for use for disinfection and you should be fine whether you're using loops or whether you're using, you know, just the traditional protective goggles. You know, you just have to follow the instructions, but it has to be done in between every patient. That's the key. Yes. That is the key. There's yeah. studies out there Including with Including your loops. loops. Yeah, there's studies that have been done on loops that, you know, the results, the bacterial load on that is just sky high on the loops. So it's really kind and of And I've totally been guilty of it of too. Like, me me you know, too, me too, me too. Yeah, yeah. like it's not perfect, no, but no. now I'm like, okay, I need to get better about that. Right, right. And I do want to bring up a point because face shields are an option And there's one sentence in here that gets some people sometimes, and it says, for certain dental procedures, 
and at the discretion of the clinician, a full face plastic mask shield may be appropriate. And it says the size design materials of the face shield determine if there is a need to wear protective eyewear and or mask under the shield. The and or is not for the mask. You don't wear the shield with no mask. And or is face shield or eyewear. Like, or is it loops and the face shield? So it's not saying don't wear a mask, but I've got, I've, we've heard some people say that before, like, oh, it says and or uh, uh, the mask. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's about the face shield or (laughs) eyewear or face shield over loops, all in addition to a mask. Right. And I think maybe where they got this, I could be wrong, but there are some masks that actually have a face shield connected to it. Face shield on it, right? you don't have to wear, you know, loops or the other protective eyewear that's kind of separated. So yeah, no, if you're wearing a full chin or chin length face shield, you have to still don a mask. You cannot just wear the face shield. I have been in an office where I noticed a dental hygienist was doing that. Old school had been doing it for years. Nothing ever happened to her. So again, you know, that's just what she knew and that's what she continued to do. And so just had a quick coaching session, just explained why you need to have the mask on, how it's a benefit. She understood and was thankful for the information. So sometimes it's just about educating the Mm -hmm. dental healthcare professional about that. But yeah, face shield, full face shield, mask, And then you can, if you have a face shield on, you can wear your loops or you don't have to. But no, you have to wear a mask. Everything has to be in combination. That's in the language Mm -hmm. of OSHA as well as CDC. It all has to be a combo. It can't be like separate items. Right. And I would just like to say, just keep in mind, you don't wear this stuff just for you. You could be breathing in things. They can be hanging out in your nose and then you go home and you sneeze, cough, whatever, and you give that to your family and friends. You could be a carrier for things. So just because you've done it for 32 years and you never got sick doesn't mean people around you aren't getting sick because you aren't taking those proper precautions. So yeah, infection control and prevention is not just for you guys. (laughs) Right, and I've heard that a lot about how uh, especially now during this pandemic, oh, we're we're just wearing this for us. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been in situations where I'm using the Cavitron or the Piezo and the patient chokes from the water because it went down the wrong pipe and all of a sudden they cough and it, everything goes flying. That's not to, you know, the PPE in that situation is protecting me. So yeah. <laughs> not, you know, <laughs> not the patient. So uh, it goes both ways. I mean, we can think of a thousand reasons why it goes right, why it goes both ways. So yeah, I, I agree with that. It's for everyone in the room. <laughs> yeah. And so to kind of round this out, you want to talk about some gloves and Lord, I think we all know we cannot be using this multiple times on people. Do not wash your gloves. <laughs> For the love of all infection control. (laughs) Yeah, no, please don't wash the gloves. Of course, they're damaged in any way. You're supposed to doff them or remove them. And then you would put on a new pair of gloves. You shouldn't be wearing the same gloves from patient to patient. You can't use the hand soap. I know there's 
been shortages lately, but you can't go washing your gloves like you wash your hands with antibacterial soap and water and think that's okay. The other thing about gloves is be mindful when you're using your environmental prevention as far as disinfectants. Disinfectants. Yeah, you want to read the directions on your disinfectants and make sure that you're donning the correct PPE for that particular disinfectant. Some of them say exam gloves are fine and some of them say utility gloves. The reason why I bring this up is because it is part of the PPE conversation because exam gloves don't always have the integrity that you need to protect you from a chemical exposure from the actual Mm -hmm. disinfectant. So just make sure that you're donning the correct PPE when you're using disinfectants. And then as well as your utility gloves, that's a big kind of conversation that you're yeah, supposed we'll, to wear we can those. touch on that and in instrument reprocessing yeah, exactly. and everything too that's a whole nother because conversation. it is <laughs> yeah it is it is and nobody loves to wear them i know you're right and so there's latex there's nitrile there's other ones out there you know hand hygiene is super important before doning our gloves Latex gloves with powder has is no longer allowed, mm-hmm. so I don't even think you can find that anymore. But if your office for some reason has like a back stock of powdered latex gloves, no, got to get rid of them. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, not supposed and, to wear those before and after. Yes. Actually, when you before you don the gloves, oh, and yes, then when thank you take you. them off, you're after supposed you. to do hand hygiene as well. Because that you know, hand hygiene is part of PPE. That's like your first it step is. with everything. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And we can't do weird. I've seen some things where people take off gloves and they reuse them and then they like puff air into them to to reuse them. Like (laughs) so gross. (laughs) Just think about the things that are happening in your office, how you put these on, how can you, there's, it's super hard to not cross contaminate, you know, used gloves. So just get a new pair, make sure that they fit your hands properly. They're not too tight or too loose. And again, you just mentioned the integrity, and I think you brought up an excellent point that our PPE isn't just for our biological hazard, it's also for our chemical hazards that we encounter as dental professionals, which is a lot, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely making sure that the gloves fit properly. That's how accidents can happen if you don't have properly fitting gloves. I've had situations where clients have had accidents happen in the practice because the person was wearing incorrect size of gloves. So yeah, definitely have to make sure that everything fits properly. Uh, Not just gloves, Mm -hmm. like everything needs to fit properly. Your masks, you know, your eyewear, everything. One other thing that's gotten a lot of traction is should we be wearing surgical caps and that kind of thing? Right now, those aren't uh, mandated, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. But it's certainly not a bad idea to think about it because a lot of stuff splatters. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are going to see me in a full on hazmat <laughs> suit when I come back. I was close. I was close yeah, prior to all too. of this, but y'all are going to yeah. see. I'm, And, you know, I'm going to have to get the disposable ones because, again, I don't have the ability to launder them. And I think a conversation that we'll also be hearing a lot in the future is our shoes. Do we leave them at clinic? Right. Do we change our clothes, like mm-hmm. those scrub pants that, wear that are getting all the cross-contamination if we're sitting down? So there's a lot that might come in the future for PPE, but just having this as your basis yeah. and making sure you're using everything properly. And also, guys, just to end cap this, there's a proper way to don or put on or doff, take off your PPE. And you can find that, uh, you can find a video and you can find a diagram if you just Google 
doning or doffing PPE. The CDC and NIOSH and I think OSAP too has all these resources for you and put that up somewhere. Like you can print this out and put it up so everybody knows like you don't put your gloves on before you put your mask on or you don't, you know, you want to wash your hands before and after. There's, there's a lot of things that you, there's a right way and a wrong way. Yeah. There's, there is a systematic approach to the madness. Yeah. There is. Regardless of what type of learner you are, there's YouTube videos, there's PDFs you can print, tons of information on how to don and doff. Uh, and what we mean by donning, that means put on, doffing means take off. And so D-O-N-N-I-N-G, D-O-F-F-I-N-G. And so Perfect. there's plenty of information out there on the order because, and the reason for the order is to make sure there's no cross-contamination. Yes. Okay. Anything else that we can think of so we can wrap this up on um, episode two? I think we've covered it all. I, you know, of course, if anybody wants more information, you can visit the CDC, the guidelines for dental settings. Also, OSHA has some really great information, OSHA.gov. OSAP.org has some awesome information. You just search PPE and all of the information Mm -hmm. will come up. They're a really good source for the PPE conversation. And then what you said, Michelle, just printing out that information, posting it so that everybody can know what they need to be doing with the PPE. That's another task that maybe the infection control coordinator could be in charge of. We Mm -hmm. we chatted about that in episode one. So I think that's pretty much it. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us for episode two. Again, in our season one series, we are super excited that you're here and ready to learn. And we'll see you in episode three. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find India at learn2prevent.com. You can find Michelle at a tale of two hygienist with an S at the end.com. And stay tuned for our website, levelupip.com, where we will be elevating the role of the infection control coordinator. Thanks for listening to the Level Up Infection Prevention Podcast.